This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and ask the question, is that movie still good? Today, we're going to go into that bookshelf from childhood, grab an Encyclopedia Brown book, and see if you can guess the ending before it happens. We've got mystery tonight, so get on your sleuth hat as we go back to 1978 and revisit Foul Play. So, let's see if you can figure it out as we have comedy and suspense foul play on Is That Movie Still Good? So, Jim, I was uh, five years old when this movie came out. Yeah, 1978. <laughs> I was six. So, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> why, why, why do I remember this movie so fondly? HBO, baby. HBO. HBO. And the, and the big thing would come spinning in. It was like the yeah. silver thing with the... And it was, it was like some real dramatic music. Yeah, yeah. So this is one that you wanted to do, and I was happy to do it because I remember it fondly from, from that era, And as we've kind of talked about watching movies on HBO. So um, before we get into it, just welcome back to everybody. Welcome back, friends, as we always say. Um, hope everybody's having a good fall. Uh, it is October, which is my favorite month. We've got college football, NFL, baseball playoffs, getting a little bit cooler, bonfires, uh, and oh yeah, I just got married, so I'm having a good fall so far. <laughs> Congratulations, thanks, Jim. Thanks. Uh, so and whoever that lucky lady is. Yes. We, well, we just refer to her as Mrs. Is that movie still good? So that's <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So anyway, she so, used to be Miss. Is that movie still yes, good? That's right. And now she's Mrs. <laughs> yes, that's is that correct. Movie still yes, good? Right. Honest woman of her. Nice lady. Yeah. Nice lady. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you like her if you met her. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so anyway, back to the business at hand which is uh let's talk about a movie and not my life um but i mean we could do a pot on that it'd be fun um but uh so foul play like you say we remember this because of hbo we remember watching this over and over again or bits and pieces of it and that kind of thing yeah and it's so funny because i have literally not seen it Probably since 85, 86. I mean, I really, this might, going back to all the movies that we discussed to date, this might be the one. Now, I will, I cheated a little bit. Once we started the podcast, I did buy it. And so I've snuck in like a little peek here and there in the last year. Yeah. But until then, 30 years. Yeah. Um, Me too. Early 80s, the last time I saw it, I did not buy it. I actually watched this movie on YouTube, so I was getting actual 1978 picture quality. There's no remastering in the thing I was watching. Did you have a Mr. Pibb? Or uh, RC Cola? Yeah, I I had a Mr. Pibb, and Mom had a tab, and it was good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this, it it was so funny to me because I, I still remember every detail. Yeah. There was like no surprises, and it's it's such a good movie. But it, it, I don't know what it is about this movie. I mean, I, I mean, you think of like the cast, number one, right? You know, um, Goldie Hawn mm-hmm. is the star, right? And and I, I'm sure everybody's seen the pictures of Goldie Hawn before when she was in was it Martin and Rowan's Martin Laugh-in. Laugh-in, she's like right? Go go girl! Yeah. And she's very sixties. Yes, yes. I mean, it's amazing to think that like she can trace herself back to kind of even that still flower power, right? Flower girl era, right? Right, yeah, that's totally right, and she's this young, beautiful lady, and then, you know, and she's had a nice, long movie career making some interesting stuff. I've always been entertained by her. I've always liked her. 
Yeah, no, and I, she actually, I think, got nominated for this movie. Not, a, not, not the Academy, but... Um... Right, so she got a Golden Globe nomination. This movie got seven Golden Globe nominations, including Chevy Chase, Goldie Hawn, Dudley Moore, Colin Higgins was nominated. The, um, the song, the, I forget who wrote it, the but song, Barry Manilow sang it. Barry Manilow, right. And so the, uh, the song was, was written by Charles Fox, who also did the uh, score for this movie. And he's an interesting dude in his career. Did you look him up at all? Anything about him? Uh, yeah, I, I really did. I, no, I went, I went other directions, but let's hear about Charles well, Fox. Well, Charles Fox um, has a long writing career, and he's written some of the more interesting stuff that you, that you know, but you don't really know you know, right? Like, he wrote the theme for The Love Boat, and he scored every episode of The Love Boat. Um, his biggest TV credit was Love American Style. He did that whole thing. He did 9 to 5, which we did last year. Um, he did Barbarella. So he's, he's done a ton of stuff, mostly TV, um, but some movie stuff as well. And, did, he, uh, um, did he write that song, What Does the Fox Say? He did not. He did not. <laughs> okay, I, I couldn't resist. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the only Oscar nomination was for the song, which was Ready to Take a Chance Again. Right. And uh, Barry Manilow sang that. And we, and then, this is great. Now, I, I want to come back to what you were talking about, but this is what's so great about the beginning of this movie. There's like a really quick little scene, like at a party or shower right. or something, and it wraps up real quick. But then Goldie Hawn goes down a drive. What is it? The, she's the, driving the PCA, Pacific Coast Highway right. or Highway 1. Just the most beautiful drive in America, probably. Right. And, and, and gorgeous scenery. They're filming it from a helicopter. She's like in a little yellow convertible bug mm -hmm. with the top up. Uh, she just came off a divorce. Right. And so she didn't want to stay at the party. But... This is all while the opening credits are going on. Yes. And good old-fashioned, like, bubble letter opening mm -hmm. credits. It's, it's very kind of 60s flower power letter, too. With it the is. Bubbles. Yeah, and, and the Barry Manilow song is playing. And you might watch that first part and be like, I'm not investing another second in this movie. <laughs> well, I thought Especially that people it. today. Yes, Especially yes. if you've never seen this movie before. Yeah, right. And, and we get another dose of Barry Manilow later because we get a little Copacabana going on we later do, in the movie. We so do. we get double we do. dose of Barry don't, in this don't, movie. But don't let that discourage you. No, not at all. No, yeah. not at all. But anyway, you know, it... The music's this, great. The music and, is Fox, great. Like, you know, he, he did the score and... Yeah, it's very late 70s and it is, you know, what it is, but it, it, it works for the movie and it, it, it's very good. Now, to go back to the Oscars, um, let me give you the five songs nominated for Best Original Song that year. Um, so we had uh, Ready to Take a Chance Again from this movie. The winner was Last Dance by Donna Summer from Thank God It's Friday. I don't remember the movie, but of course I remember the song. The song's song. a great one. Yeah. Um, Hopelessly Devoted to You from Greece, which I'm surprised that's the that's one they the picked. That's the one they picked from Greece? Right, okay. right. Um, Did Olivia sing that one? Yes. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Um, last Time I Felt Like This from Same Time Next Year and When You're Loved. From the magic of Lassie. Oh, <laughs> How about so that? when you're loved, it was like by a dog in parentheses I think, afterwards. I think that's right. <laughs> Ain't no love like a dog's love. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, th that movie was nominated for an Oscar. The only Oscar nomination that uh, this movie garnered. But did you know that Goldie had won an Oscar? Yeah, no, she won for. I never heard of this movie. It was like 1969, I think, for Cactus Flower. Cactus Flower, right? I never heard of it. Never seen it. Yeah, it has anything about Walter it. Matthau in it. I looked it up a little bit because I didn't know it either. And that was actually. No, she was nominated for Private Benjamin. Too. She was nominated for Private Benjamin yeah. as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, what what'd you figure? What you find out on the whole uh, Cactus Flower movie? Um, kind of a comedy about uh, it's Walter Matthau, I think, and it's a guy who pretends. Just quickly, as I remember it, he he 
pretends to be married. He's romancing this girl and pretending to be going through a divorce or married or something, but then he actually there's some comedy involved where he actually has to pretend he actually is married. And so he has somebody else come in and pretend to be his wife and it, you know, hijinks ensue, I think. Right. Right. Well, that sounds interesting. I don't think it'll make the list though. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I like Watermouth Out. I do too. I but do too. We, we'll, we'll save our Watermouth Out commentary for a Watermouth Out movie. Correct. Now, this is what I found really fascinating about this movie too, that I had no idea and was not thinking about coming into it. And I think he's maybe our fourth person, and by far and away, might set a record for the oldest person that's going to be hard to break that we've done two podcast movies with that star in. Burgess Meredith? Burgess Meredith, yeah. of course. Yeah, he, he's we, we talked about him in Rocky, but he is equally great in this movie. And his character is awesome. I want him to be my next-door neighbor um, because he's got this super cool pad. He's got a snake that's running around. He's telling cool stories. What, Elsme or something yeah, like that? Elsme, yeah, Elsme, I think, is the snake. We found out later don't, on. Don't say the but, uh, say what we... Yeah, we'll we find out. We find out you really want him as your neighbor. Right. Well, and that's what's really good. Yeah, You have the key main characters. We talked about Goldie Hawn. Chevy Chase is in this movie, and it's one of his first, if not his first big lead. I think it is his first this big lead role. This is First screen role, and this is the first movie starring an SNL alum. Okay. And two weeks after this one was released, Animal House was released. So, Well, in Chevy Chase, the otter part in Animal House was written specifically for Chevy mm-hmm. Chase, and he didn't do it. And, and, and we'll get to this later, but he's kind of one of those actors in Hollywood. When you look at things that he might have turned down, and sometimes for good reason, or things that he just missed out on, his tra- trajectory could have been a lot different. Mm-hmm. But how bad has it been? It's been great. I, he's right. He is an, not everybody can be Tom Hanks. Correct, correct. And I don't think he could ever be Tom Hanks anyway. But um, I think he had a great movie career, and to me, he's one of the funniest people I've ever seen work. I mean, he when when he is doing his best stuff, his best comedy, man, he's good. All right, so we'll we'll get back to Chevy Chase, and we'll get back to you know some of these other people that are in this movie because there's some other ones that are fantastic too. But I have a really serious question for you, Jim. Okay, are you a Protestant? Yes, I was okay. raised Protestant. All right, so am I. This is the second movie I we've know. done in a row with like you know some high ranking and I don't know what they're called, but Bishop Cardinal whatever getting killed like yeah. within the first ten minutes Ar- in the movie. The Archbishop is it is not on purpose. No, no, no. Our Catholic friends. Apologies, not, apologies to all of our Catholic friends. Not on we, purpose no, at all. It's, it's just uh, it's just coincidence. Yes, very it's much. Very so. much a coincidence. Yeah. So just want to say sorry, but yeah. So this we'll just Archbishop, Archduke, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, he gets murdered in this great scene where you're introduced to like two people immediately. And this is what, why this movie's so good. You talked about the mystery and suspense part earlier. It, it's funny. It's cute. It's got a love story, but then there are these like spots where it's just like, that's pretty cool from a mystery and yeah. suspense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one is the characters that are built through this movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is opening scene, the real, whatever archbishop, archbishop guy yeah. gets home Opens his, like, wardrobe mirror. He's mm-hmm. put some classical music on, which is funny because think how the movie ends, too. Yes, yes. Right? And then he looks in his mirror, and he sees a reflection of... It's not himself, but he sees somebody looked and dressed just like him. And then... He actually, the, in that mirror sequence, he the, the mirrored guy looks a little bit like a Donald Trump in Purpose of Nader, real yeah, quick. Yeah, and, and it, But you can tell they're two different people, even though they look exactly alike. Mm-hmm. And then, all of a sudden, you see in the mirror the albino. Yes. 
Now, I, I, Whitey Jackson. I, Whitey Jackson. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Whitey Jackson. Yeah, and he's tall, uh-huh. and he's almost over albino. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it reminded me because you know Colin Higgins did nine to five, and remember the president of the company comes in, and he's this Colonel Sanders guy in a white suit, and he's all white hair. Yeah. And this is kind of like some weird albino Eastern European Colonel Sanders looking guy, right? Yeah, it was. Just, it's just, but he, but he's like freaky. Yes, I mean, it's, and, and hollow he, and, eyes and right. And you you haven't seen many characters in real suspense movies that are trying to pull it off for two hours that freak you out as much as this yeah, guy freaks I agree. you out. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, anyway, they kill the guy. And then we, we were talking about Goldie Hawn. She's uh, you're driving down the highway uh, and she sees a car pulled over and a guy kind of waving his arms. Right. And uh, so she pulls over, decides to help. He gets in the car. They start talking. They're on their way to San Francisco. And once again, we get these just beautiful, like, mm-hmm. the helicopter. When they come around the hill, like, and you see the Golden Gate Bridge and then the city. Just Why don't more movies take advantage of that? Because San Francisco is such a beautiful city. Oh, it city. is. It's one of my favorite cities in America, just as far as how pretty it yes. is from so many different vantage points. Uh, but he's talking about, like, you know, quitting smoking, and you kind of are seeing what's going on. He's got this roll of film, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, just kind of skip ahead a little bit, and this is where you have this kind of mystery being built Mm -hmm. uh, throughout this movie. And, I mean, are you at this point, are you kind of into the suspense a little bit? A little bit. I'm not really 100... I'm into it more now than I am as we go through the movie at certain points because at certain points it gets lost in some of the other stuff, right? They focus on other things, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what this is, right? Is this a, a suspense movie? What's going to happen? Oh, I know that something important is going down right now. Yeah, you know, when we did uh, Splash a couple weeks ago, we talked about how they weren't, didn't really mix the different kind of genres together very well. Yeah. And I think that's what's really good about this movie is I think they do a really good job mixing different genres. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's you know, I mean, it, it's a pretty good movie as far as, you know, being able to bring these characters to life. Now, there were a lot of other characters. Mm-hmm. Like, did you... Well, and quickly before we go to that, this movie was kind of an homage to the, the mystery and suspense piece of it was kind of an homage to the Hitchcock style of mystery and suspense. And that was kind of a, a thing at this point because Colin Higgins also wrote Silver Streak, which is kind of that sort, sort of a, a deal. And um, Mel Brooks had released High Anxiety shortly before this. So there was a little bit of this... Um, theme running through Hollywood at this point of doing some of these movies that kind of play off some of the Hitchcock stylings, but adding in either a spoofy element or a romantic element and taking it to a different level for a different sort of audience. I think it leans a little bit more towards the comedy side. It does. At the end of the day, because, you know, I'm not going to go through like every little detail of plot, but we get to this point a little bit later where Goldie Hawn's like running from the albino Mm -hmm. and running from all the bad guys and uh, she goes into this bar and meets Dudley Moore. Right. And <laughs> this might be this one of the best scenes of 1978. So, yes, absolutely. So they, 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 she gets him to, to take her to his apartment because she's running away from, from the albino, from the bad guys, and take me to your apartment. Oh, okay. And so I don't know about you, but when I was growing up watching movies and TV, there are certain things that I thought real life would be like. And there are certain things I thought – wouldn't be like but you know like i always assumed that like 
souffles were going to be a big part of my life and being real quiet while somebody was baking one was going to happen because it was used all the time. Right, and you were always afraid of uh, stepping in quicksand. Correct. Quicksand was... I thought we were going to have a lot more quicksand than we have to deal with. Right. Um, But I also thought, you know... If you're successful, I thought you've got a fully stocked bar and you just drink straight liquor all the time because that's what J.R. Ewing did. And I also thought if you were a swinging bachelor, you had a pad, maybe not quite this extreme, with (laughs) reel-to-reel porn and a closet full of sex dolls. And a tambourine that you dance around on your bed playing when you're under, getting ready under to get the up. mirror on the yeah. ceiling. Yeah, no, but, it's, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. But, but I thought it was not that far off. It was. It was. It was not about ambition. No. <laughs> I mean, it was. You know, I mean, you might. Uh, yes, this. I in this scene did not fail to deliver the second time. No around. way. It's, <laughs> that was great. I'm watching and it. the whole time. She's like looking out the window for the albino, and everything she says, she's like. Do you have any binoculars? And she yeah. never turns around to look in the room. <laughs> right, right. And, and he's like, he's like, oh, gives her binoculars. Oh, you're into that too. <laughs> I'm not yeah. the only one. Right. <laughs> it's hilarious. And, and you know, it, it's all this is going on to this extended mix of night fever by the Bee Gees. And right. the, you could see this as going on for a little bit too long, except that it's all so good. It is hilarious. I mean, it's probably one of the best like scenes. That we've we've covered yet. It is. It is. It is easily. I don't know about easily, but it is arguably the best scene in this it, movie. And Dudley Moore does it so great. And now this was his first American American movie. movie yes, this was his, nobody knew who he was, and of course he went on to like do like Ten and Arthur, Arthur. and then unfortunately you know died kind of young, got, mm-hmm. got sick. But I mean, he is just a riot, and and it's funny because you know he was a he was one of the people that were nominated for Golden Globe. Yes, and at this point, watching it this you know twenty years later. I had forgotten what else. I, I thought this was the only scene he was in the movie. Right. And I I'd actually made a note that I can't believe he got nominated for 10 minutes worth of action. Now he does come back later in the movie. But on the watch through, it's like that's all I remembered about mm-hmm. his part in this movie. Right. But it, it, he gets just better too. Yes, yes. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting guy. Like you said, you mentioned some of his movies. You mentioned Arthur. You mentioned 10. Um, he was nominated for an Oscar for Arthur actually. Um, I, I've always sort of found it interesting, weird, unexplainable that he became a sex symbol of the late 70s and early 80s. And really his career was just that. By the time Arthur II came out in 88, that was pretty much it that he had done. That was, was a very small window. Yes. Very small window. Um and he wasn't a like, you know, big masculine guy. Right. So, let me ask you this question. Is this arguably the shortest cast that, that uh, we've ever had in a movie? Like Dudley Moore is five three, Burgess Meredith is five foot five and a quarter. We got to get that quarter in there. Gotta get that quarter. And we have the great Billy Barty at three feet nine inches. Billy Barty, he was fantastic in this movie, and he was only in it for like five or six minutes, but it was awesome. Because the one thing that I I, I forgot to mention, we we've talked about the albino. Well, when we mentioned earlier about the guy that Goldie Hawn, and her name is Gloria. Gloria, Gloria yes. in this movie. The guy that she picked up on the Pacific Coast Highway and that put the film in the cigarette pack, he was, you know, there was something there that we know. Right, that he's running That probably ties somebody. back to the, like, the murder that we mm-hmm. saw at the beginning of the movie. It's not a huge mystery. But anyway, he's run away from somebody. They decide to meet at a movie later. And... He um, uh, comes to the movie theater, and when he sits down, he's, like, bleeding and, like, dying. And he turns to Gloria and says, beware of the dwarf. Beware of the dwarf. Beware of the... He's like, where's my cigarettes? And she's like, I don't know, blah, 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 you know, beware of the dwarf. So we have the dwarf introduced. Yes. 
Then we and, have the albino introduced. Yes, there's a lot. Now, have you ever met anyone who's afraid of dwarves or little people? <laughs> I, um, I, I, I a, know I, there is. I know there is a phobia about yeah, it. Yeah, I, but I don't think I've ever met anyone. I had a coworker who was terrified of them. They, one would come into the store and, and she would kind of lose her mind. Like, you, I can't wait on that person. They freak me out. I'm terrified of them. Well, that's not nice. That's not, Well, no, but it's a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> beware of the dwarf. I mean, like, you know. Um, I, I, I want to I get into uh, little people in Hollywood at some point. I've got something on that. <laughs> well, let's jump into it right now. Uh, who, who are your, your top five little people in Hollywood history? You got anything? Well, um... I'm going to categorize it differently than Not just Hollywood, think. but just just in general entertainment. All right. Um, number one, I do not watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, what's his name? Peter... Peter Dinklage, yeah. I'm sure he's great, and I've seen him in other movies, but I can't put him in the top five because I know that's what he's known for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that would be fair to anybody, including him. Um, I think I have to put... Uh, and I forget the person's name, but one of the munchkins from Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least one in Palupa. Right, right, right. Okay, okay, sure. <laughs> Not sure which ones. Okay. Um, I've kind of lost after that. Okay, so I, I, I made a list. <laughs> you actually made a list? So, yes, yeah, no, these are one of, this is one of those things, Jim, I'd like a little more uh, advanced notice on. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> if, right, I'm, no. if I'm going to have to make a little people Hollywood list. Well, that's okay. <laughs> well, you can just chime in here. So, all right, all right. honorable mention, uh, Warwick Davis, who was in Willow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Tony Cox, who was in Bad Santa. Oh, I love him. He's great. All right. So now, now number five through one. Here we go. Number five, Joe C. Pour one out. Kid Rock's little guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I loved him. He Joe was C. Awesome. He was awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna put Billy Barty at four. Billy Barty. He was in a lot. He was very familiar. Yeah. When you see him in this movie. Yeah. 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 And this is all recency bias, probably um, uh, w- with the next two. But I'm gonna put Vern Troyer at three. Mini oh, me. Yeah, mini, yeah, mini me. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to put Dinklage at two because he's so iconic. Yeah, I don't, yeah like I said, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah and, and he also is great in Elf. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number one, Jervay Bichet, Tattoo. Oh, from Fantasy Island. Uh, tattoo, I thought you were talking about a movie. No, no. Oh, yeah. No, I used to watch that all the time. Yeah, right? love yeah. Tattoo, number one. Oh, yeah. No, well, I, 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 he might be a stretch for number one. Well, anyway. I don't know. I, well, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I, I have. I want to think more about this list and do okay. some research. All right, all right, I, think, I think you could argue who's the little guy inside R two D two. Oh yeah, Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had him in uh, Amadeus too. And one of the actually, I believe one of the Munchkins from Wizard of Oz did do some other movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's more to your list. I'm, I'm sure there is. It was very quick and uh, really for entertainment purposes only. Also, have you ever seen a movie called The Terror of Tiny Town? No, but it sounds fascinating. It's from the late 30s, and it's a uh, Little People Western. So uh, check that one out, America. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and so that's been Dwarf Talk, and now we'll move on to the rest of the pod. All right. (laughs) So, so, but remember, beware of the dwarf. Beware of the dwarf. Beware of the dwarf. Beware of the dwarf. All right, so, so... Where are we at? <laughs> we were, so we were so talking wait, about... We're getting ready to get the next villain. Uh, we're getting ready to get the next villain, the yes. Turk. Yeah, the Turk. The, the Turk. And the Turk's kind of a dummy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not... He's like this chauffeur. He's he's not really much, you know... Not, yeah. Not, not much to worry about. Oh, no, no, no. Next we get Scarface. Scarface. Oh, Scarface, yeah. Yeah, Scarface. And the theater manager looks a little like Captain Kangaroo, let's be he honest. He does, he does. And he, yeah. And so when they're, at, when they're at the theater and the dead guy and then uh, Gloria runs out to get the theater manager, 
They go back in and the body's just gone. Yeah. In like yeah. A, th- a theater full of like 400 people, nobody noticed. Nobody says anything. It's a little bit of a stretch it's, here. Yes, it is. Because somebody, you just, uh, you can't make a body Because they stopped the movie, turned the lights up, and right. somebody would have had to have seen the something. The lights were on. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So something was a little awkward on that one. But all right. So strike one. Right. Strike one. We'll see if they make it through the make it through the ending. <laughs> uh, then um, nobody's believing her about any like right, of all right. this kind of crazy stuff going on. So she goes back to her apartment, and the, the, now Scarface is there, mm-hmm. and he attacks her. And this is oh, this is one of the Hitchcock nods. I'm trying to strangle her with a scarf. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which would dial him for murder, maybe? Um, uh, I think that might be right. Um, uh, but uh, and she's some and another Hitchcock. Thing. She stabs him with her knitting uh, needle. Knitting needle. Knitting needle. Yeah. So stabbing with like a you know a household object. And so she thinks she has him killed. She calls the cops. And you know, next thing you know, she's still on the phone with the cops, and he kind of wakes back up, and he's about to kill her again. And all of a sudden, she turns around, and this is one another, another one of those albino flash scenes. Yeah. Where it's like poof, the albino's in the window. And he throws a knife and kills Scarface. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, faints, and she does this little spinny thing that, like, total Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. It's... Which I, this this takes me back to just, like, you know, the director at, you know, you know Colin Higgins and kind of some of the stuff he did with 9 to 5. Uh-huh. Like. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's one of those, at first glance, I thought, well, that's the worst fainting scene I've ever seen. But then, like you say, as you unpack it and you think about what he's trying to do with there, I, I think it's pretty good. And it, it's... Uh, like you said, kind of a little Alice in Wonderland nod, thinking about some sort of fantasy business uh, with that particular fainting situation. Yeah, now the only weird thing about this scene is that they've been trying to kidnap her the whole time mm-hmm. to get the pack of cigarettes that has the film in it. Why doesn't Whitey kidnap her now? Why does he I, leave yeah, her? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So strike two? Mm-hmm. Strike two? Yeah. Um, next morning she wakes up. The cops had shown up. And, of course, one of the cops is Chevy Chase. And the other cop, Brian Dennehy. I know it. What do you think about Brian Dennehy? I, I love him. I love Brian Dennehy, and I don't know how he's looked the exact same for 40 years. He, <laughs> he has. has. He has an age a day. No. His weight is the same, and he's always a cop, and, he, and he's always good. Well, he's either that or Tommy Boy's dad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I mean, he's, Brian Dennehy's great. Uh, now, so here's, here's an important question. Is Brian Dennehy, would you consider him a character actor? I almost would. I don't know if that, that he's totally typed. I'm trying to think, but I'm a, again, everything I think about him is he's some sort of a cop uh, or something like that in law enforcement or something. I'm sure that there's some other roles I'm, I'm not thinking. I didn't do dig into him, but I would... Oh, he's been in tons of things. Yeah, he has. It's so much. And I, so I would almost... Was Rambo? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I almost think he kind of is. Well, what, what is your definition? Where do you draw the line between like a character actor and I don't know what you call the other ones? Right. Well, popular actors. Well, I, I, I think lead. I think lead, lead is lead. probably the, the word. So you're he on. would not be a lead. Yeah. Is there anything in between lead and character? Supporting. Supporting actor. Yeah. Would you? So is he somewhere on that that kind of like yeah, razor probably. thin line of supporting and character? Yeah, probably right. Because you know his name. Yes. And a lot of character actors, it's like if their real name is like you know whatever like. You know, Ronald James. I'll call him like Don. I almost said Goldman. <laughs> I mean, like, hey, Don Kims. Yeah. You know, it's like you never quite know what the real name is. Right, right, right. That, that, to me, that's the, how you distinguish a character actor from a supporting actor. Mm-hmm. I know Brian Dennehy's name, so I, I think I'm going to put him in the supporting probably, actor. That's probably more fair. Yeah. But but he is typecast a lot. He is totally typecast. Totally typecast, which is fine because, yeah. like you said, he has an age for 40 years. Yep. You know? 
He's great. You know, by this the way, before we... you leave Brian Dennehy, he's won two Tonys and six Emmys. Okay. I mean, I just want, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, decorated. He's, he's great. He's great. Yeah. Um, so we end up getting Chevy Chase introduced now at this point, right? So we get him coming in. And they had seen each other and met each other at this party at the beginning. And, you know, at the, be- at the beginning of the movie in that first sequence at that party – we get the classic Chevy Chase bumbling, knocking stuff over, tripping over himself, and then they talk, and she blows him off, and then she realizes that he's this detective that's going to be, um, you know, helping work this case and also trying to seduce her. Yeah. So, well, is that a little overt? Yeah. I mean, from from minute one, and, and this is once again, it's like I know you're trying to get your love story in, and it, it was Chevy Chase comedy because I mean he's done this in a lot of movies. Yeah. You know, where he's just kind of like the cutesy, flirty guy, and he does it very well. Mm-hmm. But it's like at this same same time, once again, this movie just kind of, it's like, the way it mixes it all together, because when he kind of shows back up as this cop character, like mm-hmm. where we're at right now, he's kind of like serious for a little bit. Yeah, he is. But then he's not, and so it kind of shifts gears a little bit, and so you kind of forget about the suspense, and you kind of ask yourself, or I ask myself, which what is this movie trying to be? Right. And I know it's trying to be two things, and it ultimately succeeds, generally, but he's serious. He's concerned about catching this guy. And then... And, and now, and, and we mentioned Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy is his partner. Yes. Right. And and this is where, like, you know, once again, nobody's believing Gloria. And this is where you have the scene with uh, the little man. What's his name? Billy? Oh, yeah. Billy Barty. Yeah. The, yeah and this yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. That's a great scene. This is a great scene because she's, she's scared of the dwarf uh-huh. already. And nobody's believing her. Nobody's believing her at all. She's in her apartment. We've already met Burgess Meredith yes, by now and the yes. big snake, the big boa constrictor. So she gets a knock on her door and she opens the little or looks through the little eye hole thing yep. and sees the face, mm-hmm. opens the door and it's him standing on a suitcase and he comes in and he's like really excited about selling her like Bibles and yes, selling her. But yes. He's usually like, like sell you eternal life and like that you never have to worry about dying and right. just is like all about it. And she like freaks out because she's scared of the dwarf. You know, she's beware of the dwarf and like pretty much beats him up. And we get this just cartoonish. She- it, it is. It is too much. This sequence where she put, he throws him in a chair, pushes the chair out the window. Then he flies out the window into a garbage can, rolling down the street, hit by a car. Then it, then he jump, flies out of the garbage can and he goes straight <laughs> down a manhole. Like, come on. <laughs> right. I mean, just total Bugs Bunny. Yes. Total Roadrunner type stuff. But one of the things about this movie, if you watch it from today's lens, all of that stuff is so silly. If you watch it through the lens of 40 years ago, that stuff was in a lot of comic movies. And so... Can you imagine pulling off that special effect? I know. In the the 70s? Right. It would totally be... It'd be hard to pull off now because nobody knows how to do it anymore. Yeah. Because it's all CGI. Yeah, well, I thought about that late in the movie, and I'll get yeah. to that later when we get to... to oh, to, I know exactly where, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, th- then, you know, she goes to visit him in the hospital. She apologizes to him, and, you know, th- we ultimately realize that this is not the dwarf you're looking for. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and so, but then, you know, Chevy decides, you know, they, they're well, romantic. Well, he gets assigned. So, yeah. He gets assigned by yeah. the police department. Yeah. You know, to, to, to protect her. Right. Coincidence? I think not. That, that's 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 that, that's one of those like right off the like bottom left corner mm-hmm. that that should have been called a strike, but we're, we're gonna we'll, let, we'll it let it go. go. We'll I mean, let this one go. San Francisco's a small town, so it's yeah. you know there, there aren't very many <laughs> yeah. detectives. It's we'll, gonna we'll, happen. We'll, we'll, we'll let this one go. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, it, it, so he's assigned to her and is immediately like flirting with her, I guess, spend time with you all the time, 24-7 type stuff. Um, but of course, that only lasts for like five minutes. Yeah, right. Uh, because they have this scene where um, Dennehy, mm-hmm. I keep forgetting his name, um, he's, he's supposed to be like checking in on her or watching her, and somehow he gets kidnapped by the Turk, mm-hmm. the albino. Whitey Jackson. The dwarf. Yep. And what's the dwarf's name? Rumple Stillskin. Stillskin. That's right. Stillskin. Yes. Of course. And, and Scarface is dead. Scarface is already dead. He's out. All right. He's out. Now we're introduced to the next villain, which is the woman. Yes. Now she does not have quite a compelling of a name as albino or dwarf or Scarface. Right. Right. Do you think that was a, a, a screw up or intentional? I mean, there's only so many times you can go to the well. <laughs> What would you call her? I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It's I, like, what's her name in this movie? Like, Susie? It's something simple, <laughs> and it's, I mean, you could have gone over the, I, I do think it might have been fun to go over the top and give her, like, a Bond villain, or a Bond girl name, you know? That would have been kind of fun. Right. But uh, otherwise, you know, uh, you can only go, I mean. Yeah, well. Anyway, she's kind of like the, like, bad girl now. And, you know, uh, uh, they, they've all figured out by now. So Tony and Brian Dennehy, and his name's Fergie, I think. Fergie, 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 yeah, because okay. I kept, I was like, it's something, like, Fergie, like, yeah, I keep waiting Black for a Black Eyed Peas song to start. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They, they kind of have figured out that, like, hey, there's this plot to murder the Pope. Right. Because the Pope's coming to town. Yeah, so the Pope's coming to town, and one of the things that's going to happen is he's going to go to the opera house and see the Mikado, um, which is the opera that the Archbishop was playing in his study when he was killed at the beginning because he just sort of negotiated some deal and set it all up, and so he's going to go see the Mikado, and it's a big deal. So we got the Pope in, um, Pope Pius Thirteenth, which is a fake Pope, by the way, never been a Pius Thirteenth. Has there been a Pius Twelfth? I think that, uh, there, there, there has been several pious popes, I, I 12, 11, something like that. Um, do you know what the coolest pope name ever is? What do you got? There was actually a Pope Lando. I th- really? Yeah, I thought George Lucas uh, just made that up, but of course he stole it like um, a lot of other ideas. Hey, I like Pope Lando. Pope, pope Lando. Do you have any like history on Pope Lando? No, he was a pope uh, from... September of 913 through March of 914. Oh, Dark Ages. Yeah, he had a real short uh, papal reign, but, uh, you know, Pope Lando, coolest pope. Yeah, there there was probably some shady stuff going on then. Right, right. Yeah. So that's the end of Pope trivia. But back to movie trivia, the pope in this movie was played by a San Francisco socialite, a guy that they just refer to as Mr. San Francisco um, in San Francisco circles. So they recruited him to play the pope in this San Francisco movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I was like trying to figure out, do I know this guy? Is he recognizable? And it's like I just couldn't put anything together. Right. No, I'd never seen him before, but he's actually just a Mr. San Francisco. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, so the mystery is kind of unfolding mm-hmm. at this point. And somehow, uh, while Fergie, Brian Denny's character, is supposed yes. to be watching Gloria, he gets kidnapped. A little confused on all that. How they leave her yeah, alone. Yeah, that's, that's weird. I mean, that might, that once again, that's really just on the outside corner again. Right. That's one of, that's one of those where I'm like, what the hell is going on here Because Tony, what is his name? Tony. Tony. Chevy Chase's character. T- Tony, yeah. Uh, he was assigned to cover her, mm-hmm. spent the night with her on his houseboat. But so, like, 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 was with her for like 24 hours straight. And it's like, oh, oh, I could wake up like this every morning. Yeah. And like, they're like falling in love. Barry Manilow's playing in the background mm-hmm. somewhere. Somewhere. It's 1978. You know <laughs> like, that. Like the 
next morning, oh, somehow nobody's protecting her anymore. Right. It's Except well, for Burgess he, Meredith. Well, right, right, right. <laughs> Let's go to the houseboat scene for a minute because that's um, that's another thing that I thought might be uh, you know in play. Like, they're just dudes that live on houseboats, and it's all right. Um, but that doesn't really happen that much. But so they're going to the houseboat. He says, you're going to come home with me. I'm going to keep you at my place. And we get another Chevy Chase classic. He just falls over the railing, walking to the houseboat. And it, it was so obvious. I, I still don't know if that was like intentional, him trying to get wet, so he had a reason to go inside and take his clothes off, right? Or like if it was just a kind of bumbling Chevy Chase. See, I don't know either. And the bumbling Chevy Chase has never been that funny to me. And I wonder if because that was his bit. I wonder how many people in the theater in 1978 just erupted in laughter when that happened. Right, but now yeah. it just looks silly. Right. But so then they go in, and then she realizes that he's got somebody else because th- there's there's a, a note from a lady on his refrigerator about you need eggs. But you know he goes and gets gets dried off, and she makes him some warm milk. Now this is the second warm milk well, scene of the I movie. I actually have on my list of like things with this movie. What's up with the warm milk? What's up with warm milk? Have you ever drank warm milk? I'm sure at some point somebody made me warm milk. I, I, have you ever made somebody else warm milk? Never, never drank it. Never had it. I find milk a little disgusting to start with. I really, my preference is I will only drink milk out of a glass glass. Yes. Or the jug. I think that's fair. I I, I I, I, like my milk has to be cold. Like I really, if my milk gets more than 30 seconds in room temperature, I don't want it. I I don't want it. I'm out. I'm with you. So yeah, yeah, I've never had warm milk. I know that it was a thing. Drink some more cereal. Yeah. 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 But I know it's a thing or was a thing, but, uh, a lot of warm milk in this movie. Too much warm milk. Too yes. much warm milk. There were other things, too, about this movie that kind of, uh, like, I was just like, what was on the film? Right. We never know. We never get to see what's on the film. No, we don't know. And I know we're not there yet, like, in the story, but it's like, still, the, in the first half of the movie, it was all about the film, and we never find out what's we on the film. We never find out, right. Which was a little disappointing. A massive plot hole there, I think. Yeah, and that might be strike three on this pattern. I think that's right. Yeah, I think so. All right, so she gets kidnapped because somehow they lose track of her right. after her night on the boat. Mm-hmm. And she gets a call. She's back at her apartment. And she's showing off this, like, blue wedding dress for no reason yeah, other than it looks cute on Other her. than, like, oh, this is my bridesmaid. Well, I think her friend at the uh, party at the beginning is getting married, and she's going to be a bridesmaid in that movie. And she's showing so it off to Burgess Meredith. So really tiny dots from, like, minute two and minute 120. Right, right, yeah. She, and, and she wants to show her cool neighbor, Burgess Meredith, with the snake. <laughs> and the whole time, this pack of Marlboros is sitting right there. Right, like right, to kind of disguise and a little then, bit under a, a plant. It, but still, it's right there. Right. And nobody ever notices. She hasn't had time to clean her apartment, though, to be fair. That's true. This all does happen, like, within, like, four Real days. Quick. If yeah. we had timelined it, yeah. it'd be a really short graph. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But but she gets a call mm-hmm. from Brian Henney, or uh, Brian Denny, you know, okay, come here, blah, 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 whatever. And so she goes, but he says, bring your umbrella. So supposedly that's I don't know. Is just the I, yellow I don't umbrella? know. That was a I didn't understand that either. I didn't catch the umbrella references. I didn't either. I, I, I read that it was her weapon of choice. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but she does bring the umbrella yeah. and shows up and as she's walking through the halls. Um, Brandon, he's being like held captive. You already saw that he was forced to make a right. phone call by by the dwarf, the albino, the Turk. Yeah. And, and and what was her name? Her name was Delilah. Delilah. Yeah. Delilah. Delilah. That was the uh, that's that's the lady. Of course, she was Delilah. Like, of course. I yeah. mean, that's an evil name too. When you right. think about it. Right. Yeah. And if your name's Delilah, I'm sorry, but you're evil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Probably. <laughs> but the, but all, the, all apologies to uh, Delilah's out there, and we're not trying to be mean or anything, but you're probably evil. <laughs> but, but she's getting close to the door, you know, Brian, then he yells out, it's a trap! And so she takes off running. Now, she's a very strong fighter. Throughout yes. this movie, for somebody that probably weighs like a buck twenty tops. Oh no, she's there's no she way she's even a hundred out at one point. Yeah, like she's probably ninety eight pounds. I mean, she's yeah. yeah. I mean, who who's been our best like fighting girl to this point? Um, Sigourney Weaver and Alien. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 do you think that like that Gloria here in in the foul play? Like, how long would she last? Not long. But she she beat up the Turk. The Turk is a poon though, <laughs> so the Turk goes down really quick later in the movie. That's true. That's true. He's got a weak jaw. Yeah. He's got a very weak jaw. But so she's running around, running around, trying to escape the uh, the albino and the and Rumpelstiltskin. And and she runs into this like massage parlor. Right. Like just really like dirty. And I know every like like in, should we say what the street is in our town or not? Or maybe not. Maybe but, not. Every, but every city has that street that's got two or three of these parlors. Right. Right. In 2019, imagine what they were like in 1978. Holy cow. In San Francisco. In San Francisco, especially. Exactly. All due respect, San Francisco. But and she's running through this parlor trying to escape, and she goes into, like, this room, like, where, like, you know, somebody's waiting for their uh, massage. And who do we see? Stanley. Stanley Tibbetts. And you know Stanley what he's got? Tibbets. He's got his binoculars. <laughs> he's still got his binoculars. Why, why does Dully Moore have his binoculars? And the, like, exotic massage parlor. Yeah. <laughs> he's into that. <laughs> I guess. I guess that was, maybe that was a thing. Who knows? And, of course, he's all embarrassed. Right. He's like, how do I ask you again? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so she eventually gets kidnapped again. Well, she's, she's begging him to call the police. Get out there and call the police. There's a payphone. And he's like, I'm not calling the police. And, you know, so ultimately he does. And hijinks ensue. The police raid the place. She gets kidnapped again. Yeah. And, and, the, and the scene... In the in the police precinct, it's pretty funny with Dudley Moore going in there just yammering on about how I, I you know I thought it was yeah. he, he's like I I really was sick I needed a I, yeah, I, I needed I, a therapeutic massage yeah, yeah. He's, he's like coughing on the yeah. he's great yeah he's fantastic in this and uh, yeah and then, and then we get kind of like kind of maybe in the act three right so like can maybe like let's pause for a second before we like get into act three because like, essentially what is going to happen next is. You know the the cops get back involved, and there's but there's still a lot to talk about in this movie. Let's talk about Chevy Chase a little bit. More. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows he, his real name is Cornelius Crane, right? You know, and he was Saturday Night Live and all that. Now he was born into a somewhat wealthy New York family, yes. like a printing mm-hmm. family or something like that. Um, but he still worked hard. He had his like normal jobs, you know, waiter, dishwasher, whatever, those types of things. And he, you know, tried to go to med school. I mean, what? How, how did he break through? I don't know. You know, I don't know the story about how he broke through. I don't know if he was doing stand-up or we just... I don't think he was ever a big stand-up guy. No. I mean, have you ever seen him do stand-up? Now, apparently no. he's a very talented musician, too, which is interesting because so is Steve Martin, one of his contemporaries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Steve Martin's a great musician. Yeah. And he is uh, good friends with uh, Paul Simon because he's in You Can Call Me Out. Great right. video. Right. Um, but... I don't I don't know his story of breaking in and how he got on SNL, but obviously that was his break. And, um, you know, from there he did this movie, and then he did, you know, again, mostly through the 80s and early 90s, but he did great stuff like the Vacation Series and uh, Three Amigos 
and Spies Like Us, and just, you know, really hit his stride in movies where he kind of lost that bumbling act. There's still some of it, but really started delivering lines and funny zingers and just misdirection that, that I think is just fantastic. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but, you know, of course, he grew up during the, you know, late Vietnam era when the draft was still active. And apparently the story I read was he avoided the draft by claiming to be a deranged homosexual. I believe every word of that. And got away with it. I believe it. <laughs> I mean, if you watch his comedy style, you can totally see him doing that. Yeah. yeah, And he's, he's passed on some, you know, he was he was the, a higher choice for Forrest Gump than Tom Hanks was. Mm, yeah. Uh, he was considered for Indiana Jones. Can you even really? imagine I the debacle that. of that? That would be a. I mean, I'm, I said considered. Yeah. I'm not saying how far I got, but yeah. you know, at some point somebody thought about him. You know, of course he was. You know, thought of for films like Ghostbusters. Right. And he was uh, the Kevin Spacey character in American Beauty. Yeah. 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 I did. No. I mean, here's one of the things because I know like he kind of has a bad rap for being like somebody that's hard to play with. Um, but I, I something and I've said this before about Eddie Murphy. Um, Chevy Chase did make a decision when his children were young. His first children were like, whatever, two, three, four years old. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't want to do movies where I'm a leading man, where I'm kissing other women. Uh Because I don't want to have to explain to my children why they're seeing me on TV kissing somebody other than their mom. Yeah, yeah. And of course, he's been like divorced and remarried three times. So what, you know, it, it is what it is. But it's still there's some decency there, right? Yeah, of course it's an it's an admirable goal for sure, right. for sure. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Chevy movie? I, I, I mean, Caddyshack or Vacation. Um, and I mean, if you really made me pick, I would probably have to go Vacation because Caddyshack. He was just part of a really good ensemble. So I think people love Caddyshack. I love Caddyshack too. But that's a heavyweight cast with him and Rodney Dangerfield right. and Bill Murray. Right. And Ted Knight, like, and so I, I think he's he's a bit part, not a bit part, but he's a player in that one. For me, I think Vacation is Fletch, great. Fletch is great. My favorite is Spies Like Us. I can yeah. watch him in Ackroyd in that one. That is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, and and he had a really good spell, and so it's like one of those you know we we often talk about people that turn down roles, uh, and it's not because they were stupid and turned down good roles. It's just they had five, six good roles. Right. Come, every, every good role they were being asked to do. Yeah, I mean, we talk about that a lot, but a lot of times if we, when you, we think about those, there's a lot of overlap. Like they were shooting this movie and were considered for another movie, and it just didn't work. Right. I mean, timing's everything. So speaking of timing, too, you know, Gloria escapes things left and right. Like we haven't gone back to talk about how she escapes – Nonstop. You talked about her being kind of a badass and a fighter for this little woman who who's very small. But there's a scene earlier in the movie where the Turk has got her and she escapes the Turk because the Turk is a poon. And Chevy's chasing her. And the, one of my favorite scenes in this movie, if Dudley Moore's apartment is scene number one, scene number two might be the scene where Chevy is hanging onto the window ledge. And, oh no, that's the Gloria that's hanging. Or Gloria's hanging on the window ledge. Yeah, Gloria's hanging. Gloria's hanging on the window ledge. And uh, the old ladies are playing Scrabble, and it's nothing but profanities. And they're even challenging each other on how they spell, you know, you know, they, they have magnifying glasses because they can't and see, and like they're counting up the points. Right, right, right. It's the best game of Scrabble ever, and it's it's one of those move, one of those scenes that I think you drop in a movie, a comedy. It didn't need to be there. It's unnecessary, but man, is it funny. 
Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of goes along with a lot of what we've seen in this movie. Once again, just kind of like taking it all into the blender. It's like one minute it's a comedy, one minute it's a love story, the next minute it's suspense and mystery. Sure. I mean, that's it, and, and, it, and, it's, and it so eloquently navigates itself from one point to the next in like little five-minute increments. Right. And it's smooth the whole way through. Right. Which I, I really struggle to think of many other movies ever that have been able to mix that many genres together so pleasantly. Yeah, it's it is very pleasant. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I agree on how smooth it is. It is smooth, but we do lose some of the plot situation. Like the sure. the romance is not developed heavily. We don't know. There, there's holes in the mystery plot, but it is entertaining to watch. Right. Fair. Yeah. And and so now we're at Gloria's you know next time of being kidnapped, and at this point, Del- Delilah. Um, who's still alive at this point? Um, the the dwarf, who's really not a dwarf, right? No, he's Rumble not really, not not a, dwarf. really a dwarf. Right. He's supposedly like a like a like high end assassin, mm-hmm. which I really I kind of lost respect for high end assassins in this movie. I was expecting a little bit more, especially when you have um, you know Whitey Jackson, you know, as your backup, right? But that's you know we'll we'll see how this movie ends. But yes. they are going after the Pope, so they did get a guy, they did get a job like for a big target, right? So, you know, apparently they, they, they've done something. His right. resume has got to be solid. I don't know who right. else he's You killed, don't get but... the Pope job no. unless you've done some other things. No, 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 no. I mean, you've definitely taken out, like, you know, like the like the regional manager at the waste management company by sure, now. Sure, sure. Yeah, you've probably poisoned a mob boss somewhere. There's some, yeah. um, you know, shake in Abu Dhabi that you've taken down. You, you've, you've got credentials. Right, right. Yeah, the Pope job is hard to get. But they got it, um, and so at this point, they have Gloria kidnapped in their kind of big mansion, Delilah, the dwarf, and the albino, and Tony, Chevy Chase's character, yes. is going to go, and the Turk's still alive at this point, too. Turk's still alive, and Tony has enlisted Burgess Meredith to come help him out with this. Well, because Burgess Meredith convinces him that he, He's, like, is some kung fu master right. or something. Yeah, yeah. He tries to break this brick the first time. Right. And it, and then the second time, he's right through it, and Chevy's like, come on, let's go. Yeah, and well, and this is the same scene where the pack of cigarettes is sitting there, and the big boa constrictor, like, or he, uh, Burgess Meredith, like, takes him away from the snake yeah. for eating the cigarettes and throws him in the fire right. when you see the film burn. Once again, what, what? was on the film? What? What? Yeah. What was on the film? So they go after her, and they, you know, get through the driveway somehow. They knock the Turk out. And they get in the basement, and Fergie's there. Right. Well, before they get to the ba- basement, before they get to the basement, they, they, they get there, and the Turk tries to jump him, and we get Burgess Meredith taking him out with one chop to the back of the head. Yes. And then he yes. says, jungle training. <laughs> it's yeah. perfect, Burgess. I, I, it's so good. Yeah, it is great. <laughs> and so then Chevy's trying to get in there. Tony's trying to get in there, and then he go, he, he finds a, a cellar that he can get into the basement, cellar door. And so he goes down there, and That's Fergie's, where he down, Fergie's, there. Yeah. Fergie's yeah. down there. Yeah, right. And so they he gets they, into a shootout with, uh, with Rubble Stiltskin, and there's like all these like rows of like wine, wine. you know, wine bottles in the cellar, and it's like a real kind of action shootout. It's like and we once get those... again, we would just move from like comedy to like it's like we're watching Magnum PI all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely, and we <laughs> get those good old fashioned shootout. And they got uh, revolvers where they're shooting like 15 bullets out of the yeah, same revolver yeah, yeah, without yeah. reloading. Yep, and the sound effects with that that pew! Like we used to get in like gun smoke and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Chevy Chase, Tony figures out, oh I can just push the things up. Now, this is very subtle. Very subtle. But if you ever watch this movie again, he's a good cop as far as like his training because here's what he does. He sees him 
pushes the shells down and kind of sneaks out and steps yeah. out to where if he were to actually leave the shelves, he'd have a shot on him. Right. And he doesn't leave the shelves. Dwarf is dead. Yeah. No longer need to fear the dwarf. I mean, he is a good cop, but he also did on his houseboat uh, ask Gloria if she wanted a joint when they were warming up. So he, <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> that was yeah. That was he, he's got a little edge to him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, he ultimately um, gets kidnapped. They end up catching him, and, right. and and we're not really sure about that. But they the next thing we see, they're and, tied and now up. We get, now they're tied up. Yeah, Gloria and Tony are tied up. Yeah. and Delilah and. Uh, the, um, the the fake archbishop, the twin brother the of twin the brother, archbishop. Yeah, yeah, the other archbishop. And by now, Whitey's gone. And this is where we get confident, like total James Bond, confident villain. Right. We have, and, and Delilah's like, we have a plan. And they like tell her like their whole reason for like wanting to take down the, you know, whatever, whatever their cause is. It's, it's a long story about, you know, power capitalism and wealth and, and capitalism. And, and, and the she says something like the best way to do it is through violence and so we get this yeah. diatribe. But she does say that if we're not there to kill the Pope, Whitey's, Whitey's already there, and Whitey will kill him at the end of Act 1. He's going to shoot him from the uh, the organ bay. Yeah. And so all of a sudden we see Burgess Meredith sneaking around again. Yes. So Burgess comes in there, and uh, you know she hears him, and he kicks the gun out of her hand. Well, no first, then, he, no, first he gets, like, a gigantic bottle of Perrier. Oh, he, he, he throws a bottle Perrier. at her head. That's right. No, no, no. He throws it and, and kills the brother, the twin. Kills the evil twin. Yeah, knocks him out with a bottle that he throws from yeah. across the ring. Yeah, a perfect, like, spot on. It's absurd. <laughs> right? It's so absurd. This whole scene is this the one scene where I'm like, all right, this is stupid. Right. And it's so, just about to get so dumb. So then... The, the, he gets the gun away from her, and then it's just like the karate <laughs> like kid, Lee right? Chick, Chuck Norris. It, well, yeah, no, it, it's, sweep a leg, Johnny, and you know, then like they they get in kung fu stance and they start fighting and they start kicking, and she's got on a dress. And he's 80 years old, except he just took out the Turk with one chop, and he can't take this woman down. And they're fighting, and, you know, at one point he pulls a plant, a big tree out of a planter, and starts swinging that at her. And it's just— And the whole time, like, Chevy Chess and Goldie Hawn aren't even trying to get out of being tied up. They're just, like, watching. Like, how could you not? (laughs) This is the best thing you're ever going to see, if you're them. Like, we may or may not die. The Pope may or may not die. But this, this is worth admission. And, you know, ultimately he— is able to subdue her, knocks her out, throws her in a piano, and then karate chops, you know, it's a grand piano, so he karate chops the bar that's holding the piano up, and it slams down on top of her, and he's like, all right, let's get out of here. Yeah, and now we move to maybe even a dumber scene. <laughs> <laughs> the whole the, so the whole reason this movie was based in San Francisco. Yes, yes. <laughs> this ridiculous, like, car ride so Through the hills of San Francisco. So I have a positive about that scene, which is we get a good car chase and cars crashing, and we never get that anymore, and it's just fun. And it, it was a staple of movies until we had CGI, where you just had these massive stunts orchestrated where cars are wrecking with each They're other. They're jumping over like, like, when was the last time you saw a dirt pile in the middle of the street? Right. But today there was one, there was and one. guess what? We're going to fly over that thing, Dukes right. of Hazard style. Yeah, and I mean, have you ever driven in San Francisco? 
Um, I've not driven. I've been there several times, but I've never driven there. I have driven in San Francisco, and I have never been able to get around San Francisco easily. It's always been crowded. Like, okay. So they just shut down a bunch of streets for filming. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we get this. They end up wrecking a car, getting another car. They, well, they, 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 they wreck a car, and then is it the truck that's next? Yeah, I think it's the truck that's next. Yeah, and the, and the guy kept like, um, and every time far they, out. Yeah, every time far they would out. wreck a car, Chevy Chase would be like, "I'm a cop, give me the car," and yeah. it worked every time. And it's like, really, was it that easy back then? Yeah, it's right. like he would like not even show back. Yeah, because the first one they slammed through that Italian restaurant, which yeah. of course you get, you know, the, the... <laughs> so many bad Italian. So, mamma mia, mamma mia, my restaurant, it's so bad. And then he gets the truck. And so, and then you have a redneck guy in the a truck. A redneck guy in the truck just cruising San Francisco. Just, yeah, exactly. Like with his cowboy hat. For crying out loud. <laughs> Terrible. That is, he's like his house barn. Yeah. He's like the original, like small, what's it called? Tiny, tiny houses. Home. Yeah. He's the original tiny house guy. Yeah. Like live, uh, or van dweller. You know, he's just like got this like little you know, cardboard thing on the back. Of and his... as soon as they get in, you know what's going to happen. You, oh, know you know that's coming off. That's coming off at some, at some point. point. And the whole far out stuff is silly. Yep. And so then that comes off, and they wreck that car. So then he hijacks a, a, limousine. Uh, a limousine, an airport limo, with two Asian people in the back, Japan Airline bags in their hand, and they've just gotten to America, and they're scared out of their mind as he's driving around. Until? Until, <laughs> until Gloria says, he's like uh, Kojak, bang, bang. And then they're like, oh, Kojak, a bang, bang. And again, like, it goes on for like 10 minutes. And then, and then they're just, it goes on. It's terrible. It's terrible. Forever long, this limousine driving, and they're in the back giggling. They go, they jump a big. The, they, at one dirt point, pile. they wave out the American flag. Yeah, they, they they go over the dirt pile, and and they fall to the the floorboard. And Glory looks back and can't see them. And they look up and they're grinning and they're excited. And they, you know, finally they they this ride ultimately finally mercifully ends at the opera house. And during this whole chase scene, we're treated to. The Mikado as the the background. We're getting right. some cuts in at in the opera house, and, and we out. see the Pope there. We see Whitey moving around, trying to right. get a shot. He's assembling his gun. And so it would spill that suspense again. Yes, don't we'll like go back to the suspense, and then they finally show up at the opera house, mm-hmm. and somehow, like immediately, guess what happens again? Gloria gets kidnapped. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, she's. She just like opens a door. Whitey grabs her, shuts the door, locks it, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, she's kidnapped again. And so then he takes off with her, like, up through the catwalks, and they see who he is. You know, they're trying to, like, shoot at him. And once again, Chevy Chase is shooting with, like, a like little, I don't know anything about guns, but it's a very small revolver. It's a small revolver, and if you've never tried to shoot one of those, it's brutally inaccurate from distance. Yeah, and he's, like, popping, like, 60-foot shots off. Yeah. And, and eventually, and, you know, and the opera's going on, like you said, we have the backdrop, and um, eventually he... Well, Whitey kills another cop that's on the backdrop that there's falls. A, there's, yes. Because they're, they're over they're the stage. on a catwalk. On the yeah. catwalk. And the cop falls and gets kind of tangled up in an old boat set. Well, yeah, so we don't know what it is at this point. Right. But he's tangled up in this boat set. And so then... I got, remember the scene so vividly from my childhood. Yeah. As, as what's about to happen. Go ahead. And so then Chevy ultimately... Um, takes a... Sh- you know, he, he gets a shot and he takes Whitey down. And Whitey falls down and gets entangled in this. Yeah. And... Uh, so ultimately, then um, you know they, they they hit hit the button and it drops this prop, which is a boat mast and sails for the play HMS Pinafore, and you've got these two bodies just dangling there, 
at the climax of the Mikado. And I love that scene. I absolutely love that drop with the boat. Oh, it was and very it's dramatic. So I mean, good. So is this like, like th- this movie to me almost like reminds me of like um, Amadeus meets yeah. Splash. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not quite that. But, uh, you know, it was just the opera music in the background was really good. And then they don't Made know. dramatic. Yes, it was very dramatic. It was, it was, it was really good. And, and at the end of this, Nobody knows what to do. Now, when the shooting's going on, you can see the players on stage kind of like, what is that? They're kind of looking around. They can hear it. So it ends, and the opera house is stunned until the Pope starts clapping. And the Pope... Yes. And then the whole crowd. It it, it was kind of like the guy in Rudy. You know, that's kind of like that slow clap (laughs) that just builds. Um, And so then the crowd cheers. They, They drop the curtain, drop the curtain. They bring in Chevy and Goldie start making out in like the longest kiss in the history of cinema. Right, because you know what? I, I've been kidnapped like five times over the last three days, and you know I'm a cop that just shot a man. And you know what? Let's just make out. Right I now. just I got to have some action. Let's yeah. go. I mean, if, I mean, if it was a legitimate movie, he would have like take taken her further away from the main yes, stage. Yes, yes, yes. She, she, yeah. It, it's it's silly. It's just a silly. And so of course, silly. then they raise the curtain is it, again. Is it and worse than the kiss at the end of Dave? It might be. All right, well, it might be. We'll it might up. be. I don't know. It might be. But they raise the curtain. They're still kissing, and then they finally realize it, and then that's it. Then we go to credits, and that's, and that's it. it. Yeah, that's I mean, it. I really think this might be a worse end kiss than Dave, because Dave, at least Dave, at the end of Dave, he pulled the thing down in his office. Yeah. Even though everybody knew they were like about to do it in the office. Right. Right. But at least he's in a you know pull up you know, politician's office. That right. would be the first time. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I mean, they're on stage with like 50 actors around him. It's like, yeah, it, it, it was, it was it, a, a, an interesting, was a little, a little questionable, but as we've talked about, it's hard to end a movie in very, a really good way. It's so, very hard to end a movie in a good way. So all in all, this movie rewatching it, I, I was taken in a couple of different directions and one being thinking about it through the lens of modern times and through the lens of modern times, it's not that good. Thinking about it through the lens of 1978. Now, times. could you remake this movie? Yes, you could I, remake I think this, this movie. This is really. A, yes. I think you could totally remake this movie. Yes, there's nothing in this movie that like you. You'd have to get the right script. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you I, you couldn't replay that script. You know, 30 years later, obviously. Right. Um, but uh, or 40 years later, actually. Right script, right actors, right directors. I think you could put pull something like this off again. I totally agree. Except for. Everybody would know it, and yeah. it kind of would ruin the mystery. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I looked at this movie because this movie was the number 10 grossing movie of 1978. So let me give you the other ones. All right. And And I, I found it in, in a, a couple of different resources had different numbers. But so IMDb has Grease, Superman the movie, Every Which Way But Loose, Jaws 2, Heaven Can Wait, Hooper, The Deer Hunter, Halloween, Convoy, and Foul Play. They also had Up and Smoke at 11. Um, but also, Animal House in some was in the top five, so I don't know how that got missed. And Revenge of the Pink Panther was in the top ten in a couple. But that's not a bad year of movies. Actually, um, I got no problem with any of those I movies. would go rewatch all of them. I would rewatch every one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah, 78. That's pretty good. Well, you know why, don't you? Why? Well, what happened in 77? Star Wars. And so everybody held those scripts. Yeah. Everybody held those. I guess mo- so. Everybody, if you're a producer, are you going to go up against Star Wars? No. Nope. 
Nope, you're going to wait for Star Wars to die. Let's hold that. Let's. We were going to drop that in October. Let's hold that till April. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that. So that's probably why '78 is probably a really good year. And it would be interesting to look back at other, you know, big blockbuster years. Like I mean, you know, you, you and Star Wars is probably a good tracking point. But to see like what was the year after like the yeah, like what was yeah, the yeah. year after Titanic? What did seventy three look like after the Godfather? What was seventy three? Right, and it, because uh, I mean, if you're a producer, that's the smart play. Yeah. So I also thought about this in terms of how does it rank amongst comedies from the seventies? Because obviously, this was a very popular movie, made a lot of money, lots of Golden Globe nominations, didn't win any, but lots. So I looked up IMDb's list of the top comedies of the 70s and admittedly imdb is something of a questionable resource with regards to this because it's a skewed population but it's worth something worth talking about right it's so, a starting point yeah so it had foul play at 25 for the 70s but let mm-hmm. me give you a few they had monty python and the holy grail as one animal house at three blazing saddles wait, wait, wait what was two two was played against sam which i don't remember i remember but i don't i don't remember enough about. is that a woody allen movie yes it is okay uh, there's a lot of Woody Allen in here too. Blazing yeah. Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Life of Brian, Smoking the Bandit. So the two um, Monty the Python jerk, movies in the top, top six. Ten, yeah, uh, Up in Smoke is in there. Rocky Horror, um, Bananas is. I, I don't like Woody Allen very much, but man, I love Bananas. Um, you know, Pink Panther, a couple of those. Silver Street, High Anxiety, Meatballs. So you know. No, I think all those are fair. I think that's all fair, and I think it fits in with the most of that stuff. Like, it's a really good comedy from that decade. I think it's on par with all of that. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. And, and it was a very, you know, in that decade too, when you think that like, you know, your two biggest films were The Godfather, but then you also dealt with, you know, Jaws, you dealt with Star Wars. It was a very good era for movies. There's great movies. And that, mo- that, that list of movies, the top 10 grossing films, most of them are pretty light and easy to watch until you get to The Deer Hunter, which, <laughs> holy cow, man. So what's your Deer Hunter watching experience? I've watched it twice. I watched it once and thought, man, I thought it, the second act of The Deer Hunter is as good an hour of film as you'll ever watch, and it's as, as just riveting as you can watch. I watched it a second time about 10 years later, and I was like, I'm not sure if I'll ever watch this again. I, I, watched, I watched it one time, start to finish, no pauses. I don't think I ever want to watch it again. Man. I, it was... It was for those three hours, it's kind of like um, uh, Citizen Kane. Yeah, yeah. I, I did the same thing with Citizen Kane one one lazy Saturday. Don't ever watch it again. Yeah, you know, it, it, though I think the Deer Hunter is much better than Citizen Kane. I agree. It's an amazing work. I think it's it's. It, when somebody asked me what movies do you need to watch, I put that in like a top fifteen probably because it's just so sure right behind well foul play. Yeah, of course, of right course. behind foul play. Right, right, right behind foul. Yeah. Well, so. Foul play. I mean, both of us earlier said that we really hadn't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Kind of came back to it. Obviously, we've had some really positive things to say. We've had some negative things to say. I mean, overall, though, what what I mean, we got a good young Chevy Chase. We mm-hmm. got a you know everybody loves Goldie Hawn. I mean, I, yeah. I think earlier when we watched Nine to Five, I made a comment along the lines of it's like if you don't love Dolly Parton, you're not American. Right, right. And I think Goldie Hawn's like like right there too. I think that's right. I think that um, when she was at her stride, I think 
Um, in my experience, thinking about my parents and, and their generation, every, the women loved Goldie Hawn and the men loved Goldie Hawn. She was just like this universally loved uh, figure in the 70s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, I mean, she took up the 80s. And, I mean, she and in took the up 80s? a 15-year hiatus. Yeah, yeah. When, like around 2002 or something. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she was in other great movies. I mean, I mean, you know, Overboard is my personal favorite. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. I, so, I, I, I like Overboard. I like Private Benjamin. I might like Wild. I think I like Wildcats. Oh, wow. I love Wildcats because I, I love, love Nipsey Wildcats. Russell so much. He's one of my favorites <laughs> I love ever. Yeah, Wildcats yeah. is probably my favorite. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, it was a good movie. One last thing I'll throw in, and then we'll do our wrap up. Okay. She was an executive producer on My Blue Heaven. Oh, I love that movie. Which you know is one of my favorite movies. Oh, of all time. I didn't know that. I, I love that years. movie. Oh, you never. Oh, we need to put that on the list. That's coming. I've seen it for twenty years. Okay, so that's coming. Oh, in do this. you have arugula here? Do you have arugula? <laughs> it's a freaking popover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to get that. Oh, can uh, we fit it into season two? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got plenty of time. <laughs> my blue heaven is coming, kids. My blue heaven is coming. <laughs> all right. So foul play. Let's wrap this one up. Foul play. Um, what do we usually talk about at this point in the game? Um, Are you a cop? Because you got to tell me if you're a cop. Um, uh, so when would you watch it again? Um, with the right audience, I would probably watch it pretty soon. I, I, I have no problem. I mean, probably we get, you know, after two or three more watches, I could probably take another five to year, ten year break. Um, but I, the, the, I would, I would, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm not looking to watch it again anytime soon. But like you said, the right audience, somebody wants to watch it. Um, I, I would, I would sit down. And I watch would make it again. fun of it a lot, more. a lot more, a lot <laughs> more. It's so much more if I watched yeah. it again. Yeah, exactly. In the next right. three or four years. Um, uh, so final grades. Yeah, I, I mean, I hover between a B plus and an A minus, and I, I just, I, I just thought it was well done. Across the board. Yeah. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what, we, you know, there's there's great dramatic movies, but then there's sometimes a movie that you just want to sit and watch and just laugh or, or just, you know, where where you like, when you get up to like get a drink of water, you're like, I want to pause it because I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. And, and this is kind of how I, I, I viewed this movie. So I'm going to give it, a, I, I'm going to give it like an 89.4%. Okay. I don't think I can give Not, it an A. I agree. I don't think I give it an A. I'll give it an 89.44%. Okay. All right. As close <laughs> as you can get. I would. I am going to go just a little bit lower. I like it, um, but there are some nits to pick. I would say given the time that it was released in it, the 78, again, viewing through that lens, I would give it a B+. Plus. Viewing through the 2019 lens, I would give it a C plus. So I'm going to average that out, give it a B, and okay. that's where I'm going to sit. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, well, I, I think uh, you all know what to do with this information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. Go watch it. So, um, so you got anything else on this one? No, no, no. We're, we're sitting what mid October right yep. now. So, mid October. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, do we have anything? We've got well, so we don't, we don't talk we don't about to, our plans. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's, it is October. It is fall. Yep. So we've got something good coming. Days are getting shorter. Yes, they are. Something good's coming on the next one. You guys are going to like it. We're excited about that one. Um, thanks again to everybody for listening. Continue to download, subscribe, rate, review. Find us at the website www.isthatmoviestillgood.com, and uh, you know we're going to come back and do it again in a couple of weeks. So uh, take care. We'll see you soon.